You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 156. If you want to do something, you have to act. You have to take action in order to do something, whether it's to get from A to B, whether it's to, I don't know, organize a wedding, whatever it is, you've got to take action to do something. So this is taking action to have the desired impact that you want to have on your audience. So taking action. So is it acting? Perhaps, yes. Is it putting on a performance? Perhaps, yes. But what we're saying to people when we coach them, this is not about you becoming someone that you're not. It's actually all about you allowing and authorizing yourself to become who you're truly capable of being. Because why would you want to have a, a mediocre impact on your the people that you're leading when you could have a wow impact and everyone's saying, wow, what a great communicator. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I'm so happy that you've joined us. We have a great show for you today. When we think about effective communication, I'm going to encourage you to listen to our guest today through two different lenses. First of all, what we as professional coaches do involves communication. We work with our clients one-on-one. We speak and do keynotes and do trainings and bring messages to people, hopefully to help them be more effective and successful and efficient in their lives. We also work with our clients and our clients communicate with the people that they lead and the people that they live with and the people that they are important to. And the way that they communicate effectively will help them be more successful. That's why I'm so excited to be joined this week by our guest, executive coach and business communication specialist, Steve Knight. Steve spent 30 years in broadcast journalism at BBC TV and Discovery He then went on to become certified as an executive coach through the Hudson Institute of Coaching in Santa Barbara, California. He's also a systemic team coach through the Academy of Executive Coaching in London. On top of all of that, he is also the creator of the app Art of Comms, which we are going to be talking about in today's interview. We're not only going to be talking about it in today's interview, but we're also going to supply you with some information to explore it if it's something that intrigues you. So we have a download for today's show. It can be found at starcoachshow.com in the show notes for episode 156. Now, in our interview today, Steve and I are going to talk about what effective communication does in the way of results for our clients. Steve's going to talk about how we tend to speak out of habit. He's going to give us some exercises and things to think about, such as voice visualization 
and appreciating the words we use. Steve and I connected. He's in Australia. I'm here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So it was great to connect across the world. I talked to him on an evening and it was already the morning of the next day for him. I so enjoyed our time together. I know you're going to enjoy his expertise and what he shares with us. So let's go to my interview with Steve Knight. Steve Knight, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I am really excited you came highly recommended. You work with leaders to help them be more effective in their communication. And I'm just wondering when you're doing that, when you're working with clients to be more effective in their communication, what kinds of results does that end up bringing to your clients? It's huge because the kind of leaders that come to me normally through word of mouth, personal recommendations, etc., is they've got to a certain level, very high up in an organization, uh, in the C-suite or a chairperson, and they really need to rally the troops, so to speak. So they need to speak at conferences, at events, and really motivate hundreds of people, if not thousands, in, a, in an auditorium or a, a conference hall, etc., and you know, it's, it's one thing to get to those senior positions on your ability and your technical ability and your academic ability or your knowledge of your area that you, uh, you're an expert of. But it's another thing to be able to communicate that to people in a way that's inspiring. And I think, you know, if you look through history, of course, there's always uh, people who are very good at communicating and there's been some leaders who've been very bad communicating. Right. So that brings up an interesting question. Do your clients seek you out or are they referred by people who see that as being a lack in their skill? Yeah, normally it's because of course, if someone's got to that stage of their career and no one's told them yet, it's normally just because no one's told them yet. And then suddenly they tell them and then they think, okay, well, we need to do something about it. So it's quite often a not pressure, bad pressure, but it's, hey, you know, you really need to sort something out because you are the leader. People are looking up to you and people expect you to be able to communicate well. Right. So you mentioned suddenly needing to perhaps be in front of hundreds or thousands of people delivering a message, inspiring what other kinds of challenges do you encounter with your clients at that level? Sure. Well, actually, as you said that, I'm thinking the other thing is, of course, uh, video conferencing and audio conferencing. So that the big challenges are people generally, all of us, unless we're trained in this area or we're former broadcasters or actors or singers where we've had training in the voice is that people tend to speak out of habit and they're not really fully consciously aware of how they're using their voice, how they're using their body language. So they could be talking about something that's really exciting and inspiring and it ends up being completely flat and sounding like a laundry list or a, or a shopping list. And one of the, the great examples that I give that I personally and professionally believe is a real master of what we call voice visualization so you might call it intonation but voice visualization because it's breathing life into the words and lifting the words off to off the page to convey the meaning one of the masters that i really believe is absolute champion is uh, sir david attenborough 
you know, from the BBC Natural right. um, History programs, because when he when he says that you know something is really exciting or really rare, it sounds really exciting or really rare, and he's doing a lot of speeches right now on climate change, and it sounds very alarming and very harrowing, and he uses his voice so well. So I used I used Sir David Attenborough as a, as an example when I'm working with people, and it really helps. And it, you know, to many people, it's an exaggerated way of speaking and and for most of us if we did that people would think we may have gone slightly crazy but david's been doing it for so many years and he does it so well so it's a great one to to work towards as a benchmark and of course most of us will never sound that excited but it's a it's a great one to aim for because even if you get halfway there for most people that's enough right so you talked about becoming consciously aware and using people as examples, using broadcasters as examples, how else do you work with your clients to help them with that conscious awareness of the way that they're projecting, the way that they're being received? Sure. Well, we help them, number one, with the clarity of their message. So that's where the the background in broadcast journalism and presenting comes in because we're able to help the clients really think about what it is they're talking about, which may sound silly, but often people are working with the subject so much they sometimes forget, well, you know, how do you describe it to people who are hearing it for the first time? So what are you talking about? Why are you talking about it? So why is it relevant for those particular people, either Mm -hmm. in the room, in a conference, or at the end of a a video or a phone call, etc.? So why is it specifically relevant to them? And of course, the why will shift depending on on the audience. And the why is the thing that will resonate with the audience, the thing that will draw people in. And then what is your intention? So over the next one hour, one day, 10 minutes, whatever it is, what is your intention as a leader? So by the end of the 10 minutes, by the end of the hour, it is my goal for you that you will have a better understanding of X, Y, Z, and this is the call to action. So the what, the why, the intention. So that's, uh, that's the real key. And, and often people are, are just not thinking because they're too close to the project. Oh, I think that's so key. So often when it's right in front of us, we're not looking through the lens of the people who are hearing our message. So when you are trying to get them to become more aware of that, which is so close to them, you have to kind of maybe go through that exercise of creating how is the audience going to hear it and how are you going to help them get your message clear? I just like, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling because I'm thinking, wow, that's really key in so many of the things that we do with our clients when they're so close to it they might not see the way that other people are hearing and seeing so thank you for that i was going to say the other thing is the you know your intention of how you want to impact the audience so how do you want to come across you know so you're going to write a a list of knowledgeable authoritative um sharing compassionate whatever it is energetic exciting and then how do you want the audience to feel? So what, do you, what mood do you want them to feel? What emotions do you want them to feel? And what do you want them, as I said, to, to think about you? So it's really a, a whole plan of action. And as I say, most people generally just speak out of habit, which is why I'm sure you and many of your listeners have sat through conferences and events and meetings in the, in the school at the university where whoever's speaking is not always up to scratch. And it's a shame, actually, you know, when, when I hear it, 
I, I always want to run up to the stage and say, look, I could help you with this. Give you all the uhs, the Here's ums, my card. The, yeah, yeah, the sort ofs, the kind ofs, the perhaps, the maybes, all the vagaries that come out, which uh, makes it sound like you, you know, you're not uh, authoritative on the subject. Well, that brings up one of the questions that I had for you, which is how do you help clients who have those, I call them voice ticks, but I don't know that that's really what they are. The ums and the ahs, like you said, but also... For example, I worked with one executive who used like consistently threaded throughout the conversation and it becomes distracting to the message. So I'm sure I'm not the only person who's ever had a client or myself who I'm sure I have different not working well for me habits. How do you help your clients with things like that? Sure. Well, it's it's the old adage, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. So people are not really aware that they're doing it then. And it's again years and years of habit you it's it's up to people who do my job for a living to point it out to people and so of course you you know you know we've designed an app the the art of communication app so of course we're encouraging people to record themselves on a very regular basis and, and play it back and record themselves for telephone calls for meetings when it's legally possible to do so of course and just and practice and start to notice when you do it and how often you do it and write it down. And then, you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching or if we're in a classroom situation, if it's really bad, you know, I'm clocking them up. And if someone's got 47, you knows and there's and ums in a one minute presentation, you threaten them with, okay, you've got to put a euro or a dollar or a pound in a, in the jar every time you use one of those filler words. And when there's a hundred of uh, whatever currency at the end, we all go and buy a bottle of champagne. So that's, so that works quite well. Fear of financial uh, dilemma. Tell us a little bit more about this app that you created. What motivated you to create the app? Sure. Well, you know, when you work with people, you might, as you know, as a coach, you'll maybe work with people for a a contract, which is a a number of hours, or we're doing two-day courses in communication skills, et cetera. And particularly on the shorter courses, you know, people come, they're fully into it over a two-day period. And then the course finishes. And then quite often for many people, unfortunately, it's back to business as usual because, as I've mentioned a few times now, we, we speak out of habit. So if we've been speaking out of habit for many, many, many years, it takes a long time to create those new neural pathways and create those new habits. So it's a bit like practicing a musical instrument or practicing a sport to be fit and healthy and be able to run or be able to play a saxophone or a violin or a piano well in order to do it. It's, you know, the, the 10,000 hours, the, the Malcolm Gladwell outliers 10,000 hours to, to be a master at something. So the more you're doing it, the more you will become consciously aware. So we developed the app, number one, to provide e-learning content, which is what we teach in the classrooms and what we work with our clients one-on-one. And so that people can be refreshed or see it from scratch if they've never seen it before and then be refreshed and then practice physically recording into the app. And then you share the footage with your chosen connections in the app and then they give you feedback based on our formula, which is clarity of message quality of voice, body language, and what we call the gift of you. So that's are you coming across as genuine and authentic or perhaps overperforming or playing it small and underperforming. So they get feedback from their peers that they trust on that four-part uh, formula. So then you can really chart 
and journal your improvement as you make that journey of becoming more consciously aware. How creative, A, of you and, and your team, and B, for clarification for the audience, this is something that the audience could conceivably use if they're doing a, a lot of communicating over for their job, both for presentations and for the way that they're handling meetings. But primarily, you put this together for leaders, right? So the people who are listening, if they're coaches for leaders, this is a tool that conceivably their clients might want to use. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's for, it's for us as coaches, as well as teachers, as mentors, as people who are holding meetings, I mean, as coaches, we should be more mindful of our presence than most, of course, because we're, we're trained and, and qualified in this. But so it's also a, a healthy reminder for ourselves as coaches, but absolutely for our clients. That's, that's who it's for. When we think about the way that we present with presence and the way that we hopefully help our clients become more present and more available through communication. One of the things that you talked about earlier that we just kind of brushed over, so I want to go back and, and visit again. You, you talked about voice visualization. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, well, I mean, as I said earlier, that most of us would probably call that intonation. So it's the light and shade, the roller coaster ride in the voice. So most of us, I'm sure, at some point in our lives have read stories to children at bedtime, either our own children or nephews and nieces or babysitting or whatever. But mm-hmm. when, you, when you read a story to a child, you really exaggerate. I talked about uh, David Attenborough exaggerating the words right. to lift them off the page. So it's storytelling to the nth degree. And, and not just making it sound like a laundry list, you know. And I, actually, I can remember, you know, for example, reading uh, Harry Potter and, and books like that to, to my son and my daughters uh, when they were younger. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'd come back from work and I'd say to my son particularly, I'd say, oh, I can't believe it. Brian today just completely flatlining the words. And he said, what is that like, Dad? And I'd read it out, and, you know, really deadpan and flat and boring. And he would say to me, how is that even possible? Because he'd always had me reading stories to him, which uh, right. was always done in a very exciting or very alarming way, depending on the story. So it's, uh, it's funny. Really. And so thankfully, hopefully, I'll pass that on to my, my kids who are adults now. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And, and you brought a smile to my face because reading at night was just huge with my two sons and I. Every night before bed, we would do a lot of, uh, we usually end up falling asleep reading for hours together. So I was just going to jump in there. I was going to say, because I, I was with a client the other day and he re- really made me laugh. And because he said, um, my daughter, I said, I was reading my eight year old daughter, some Enid Blyton last night. And she just looked at me after about 20 minutes and said, daddy, you're, you're not engaging enough. You're not, you're, your eye contact is not really there. And your voice <laughs> sounds so flat <laughs> from an eight year old. <laughs> oh, that is so fabulous. Kids are up to speed now, which is great. That is great. So one of the things that you talk about is appreciating the words that we choose. And I'm wondering how you help your clients increase their awareness of that. Well, so we always encourage, especially for speeches and crucial conversations where the outcome is of vital importance or meetings to to physically write out what you want to say because when you write it out you can see the pattern 
you count the number of words we normally recommend to to working very internationally and with international companies international audiences quite often the, the native mother tongue is is not english so we coach our clients to consider the speed of delivery or the cadence of speaking around 120 words per minute which is slower than you know average english when it's amongst native english speakers i mean for the the bbc for example we were taught 180 words per minute so i've already slowed it down to 120 for Mm -hmm. an international audience so and then you can count the number of words that you've written out and see if you know if you want a 10 minute presentation a 10 minute speech you need to write 1200 words and 120 words a minute and if, if you then you read out loud record it and if you're reading those 1200 words out in seven minutes you know you're going too fast because it should be 10 minutes and if you're reading those 1200 words out in 15 minutes you're going too slow and you're going to bore everybody so it's a, it's it's a good for cadence and it's good for the clarity of the message because you can see where you might be repeating yourself and it avoids uh, the filler words and I just use one then you see I said uh, as I thought about it so voice the filler words if you write it out what other tips do you give to your clients in giving presentations know your audience number one so then when you when you know who's going to be in the room then you can shape your message accordingly as I mentioned before it's that you know, the the why that you're talking about the subject that you're talking about is the, the relevance for that audience so know his know who's in the room and know what your key message is and know what the call to action is and 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 really know what are the key things you want people to remember and what do you want them to do how do you want them to feel what do you want them to think and feel about you what do you want them to be saying about you as you've walked out the room at the end of the day or the end of the meeting we work on the voice so we do breathing exercises the diaphragmatic breathing that's used in yoga and, and meditation of course and for singers so we do voice work, which includes singing and poetry and reading articles out from online news websites or, or you know, hard copy newspapers, etc. And really, really practicing on the voice, on the body language, the facial expression, the use of hands. So it's the, the whole package, everything. Do you video record your clients so that they can see themselves back since you talked about all the, the physical manifestation of the of the language as well absolutely we we film the clients and so we used to use traditional video cameras now of course we have the art of communication app so we use the camera within the app on the phone so the client hands over their phone we put it on the smartphone holder on the tripod and boom film them and then when we give when we give them back the phone they then share it with us as the coaches and of course their chosen network of, of peers whether it's one or two or or several it's up to them so absolutely that's that's the beauty of the app it's straight up the pocket film record play it back share it get the feedback and you're working with these high-powered people and the kinds of things that you're asking them to do might make some people feel a little vulnerable or exposed how do you find that your clients take to this being kind of put into an arena that maybe they're not as skilled at as they are in other things in their life. Well, that's right. It's absolutely right. Because as you say, you make a conscious decision to become a a broadcaster, a journalist, a presenter, you make a conscious decision to become an actor, you make a conscious decision to become a singer, you make a conscious decision to become 
a performer, no matter what it is. And then, you know, then, then suddenly, hang on a minute, you're a business person and now you've got to perform in inverted commas. So it is a, a big ask for some people and particularly, you know, if people are perhaps more shy or more reserved or they're an introvert, and I was saying there's no crime in being an introvert, they often make the best communicators because when introverts speak, it really means something. So, you know, the, the biggest question I often get asked is, well, you know, if, if you're expecting me and my, my peers are expecting me to up my game in this in the communication arena, surely you must be asking me to act. Do you want me to act and not be genuine? That's an interesting question because for some people it feels like that. It's like, hang on, I'm like this, but now I've got to become like that and that's just not me. And the way we, we look at that, you know, really it's about what is the intentional impact you want to have on the audience, whether it's an act or not. It's an interesting one because the way I look at it is if you want to do something, you have to act. You have to take action in order to do something, whether it's to get from A to B, whether it's to, you know, organize a wedding, whatever it is, you've got to take action to do something. So this is taking action to have the desired impact that you want to have on your audience so taking action so is it acting perhaps yes is it putting on a performance perhaps yes but what we're saying to people when we when we coach them this is not about you becoming someone that you're not it's actually all about you allowing and authorizing yourself to become who you're truly capable of being because why would you want to have a a mediocre impact on your the people that you're leading, when you could have a wow impact. And everyone's saying, wow, what a great communicator. And if you think about the great leaders, you know, if you look at Michelle Obama, you look at Barack Obama, they're fantastic uh, Mm -hmm. communicators. And I miss them (laughs) (laughs) because we don't have that right now. So, you know, perhaps we shouldn't go there. Because uh, that's a that's a whole minefield. <laughs> well, that Communic- is- communicating with respect—that will be my next right. app. Right. Well, and I I think we need that. So you get working on that right yeah. away. What about <laughs> when you hit challenges with clients, Steve? Is it ever around particular? Are there particular obstacles that are most difficult to make it over? course if you have some sort of speech impediment for example a a stutter Mm -hmm. uh, that's always a tough one for people and I'm always uh, I'm always amazed especially when people have been to a speech therapist for a stutter how the biggest teaching they get is to calm down through diaphragmatic breathing Mm -hmm. and really slow down the speed of delivery Mm -hmm. and I tell you, I've, I've had so many clients and colleagues and friends who have had stutters as a child or as an, a, a young adult and then are able to more or less get rid of it. And it's only when they get really anxious or really stressed does it start to come out again. So there's, there's, there's speech impediments, things like that. There's, of course, not having the language as your native tongue. So, you know, generally... When I'm working around the world, it's all it's all in English. People want it in English. All the business schools, the MBA is generally taught in English, mm-hmm. and that can be a challenge where English is not your first language. But actually, the other thing is, there's a great article in the BBC News the other day on the website where it said uh, native English speakers make the worst communicators, 
And I have to agree because my experience is when we have English as our native tongue, we can speak very fast. I mean, in, in North America, you guys get away with it more because the accent is so globally recognized for, because of movies and TV shows. Whereas a, a UK regional accent or an Australian accent or a New Zealand accent or a South African accent. With, and then with colloquialisms, if we start speaking fast, it's very hard for non-native English speakers to understand. And it really is. So it's easier for a Spanish person speaking English to an Italian person or a Portuguese person to understand each other with their accents than it would be for someone, say, from Glasgow speaking really, really fast or someone from Belfast speaking really, really fast or someone from Manchester speaking really, really fast. Or, you know, I had a guy in Australia, from Australia on my course recently from Sydney and I thought he did a fantastic job and then everyone was really quiet. I said, what's up? And they said, we didn't understand like 90% of what he said because of the accent and the speed of delivery. We encourage people when you, when you slow down and you enunciate your words clearly now, then you can keep your accents, whether you have a Spanish accent, a Japanese accent, a Korean accent, a, a Scottish accent, an English, British English accent, whatever. You, we get to keep our accents and everybody gets to understand us. And that's, that's, the, that's the really beautiful thing that we teach. Res, you know, respect your cultural identity and be proud of where you're from. Go and lose your accent unless you want to. So that if you speak slowly and clearly and you enunciate your words, everyone will understand you. So that's, that's a nice one to teach. That is nice. And I know that I've had several coaching students where English is a second language to them, and they can sometimes mm -hmm. feel a lack of confidence in the coaching while they're coaching in English because yeah. they're concerned that maybe they're not understood or they're not able to create questions in the way that they most desire. And I like that idea of just slow down and be thoughtful about the pace and honor the language that is your, uh, the, the accent that is yours. Yeah. And also often, you know, people have a lot of errs and ums when, and they say, oh, you know, it's because English is not my native tongue. If only if they're Spanish, if only I could do it in Spanish or if they're Korean, if only I could do it in Korean. I say, well, go on then, do it, do it in your own language. And then they're still doing the errs and ums in their own language. So that's when you know it's a habit and it's not the language. That's just an excuse. So, of course, it is harder. You have to think of the words in another language as those of us who speak another language know. But uh, it's not always the, the main reason for the filler words. And you caught him on that when you said, go ahead and do it in your own language. <laughs> Good yes. job there. Yeah. So, Steve, yeah. you come from this extensive background in broadcasting and years of experience that potentially you could have came forward and said, I'm going to coach people around communication because I have this extensive history in broadcasting. Yet you decided to add coaching training to your extensive experience. What made you decide to do that? Sure. Well, actually, so when I was, when I was broadcasting full time, as you're probably aware, when you're, when you're on the TV and the radio, you get asked by companies to host conferences and facilitate Q&A sessions and grill chief execs on the stage in front of hundreds of thousands of staff, etc. And then it was those people, the clients, the corporate clients that would say to me, hey, Steve, you know, could you coach us? in how to do what you do, like stand on the stage and be confident and, and be engaging. Could you coach us? And I'd say, no, I'm, I'm a practitioner. I don't coach. 
you know, it's like being a footballer and someone asking you to, you know, suddenly can coach people. So I kept saying no. And then a couple of years later when people kept asking, I thought perhaps I should say yes. So I started coaching, you know, purely using journalism and broadcasting techniques with corporate clients. And then those clients said to me, hey, can you do us a favor? Can you go and start working with the business schools where they teach the MBA because we're hiring MBA grads and they're super bright people, but they can't present for toffee so can you go and help them to present and that's when I started working and, and teaching in, in business schools and so I, I started teaching in the in the academic arena and then I wanted to learn more about the voice and the inner self as opposed to you know looking at it purely from a broadcasting point of view so I went to to Los Angeles and I did a voice course and I came back from that with such a different energy and such a different set of mindfulness and, and being consciously aware. And then when I got back into the classrooms and coaching clients, it was big groups. Instead of groups coming, or an individual coming up to me during the break and saying, so how do I get a louder voice then? How do I stand a bit straighter? I'd get people saying, can I have five or 10 minutes with you in private? And then there'd be floods of tears because they were talking about their childhood or something that happened to them or they, you know, the first time they presented at school and or their mother did this or their father did this. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, because I've gone oh, deep yes. teaching, I'm getting this emotional response and it's happening a lot. And I had no idea what to do. I thought, my goodness, what have I unleashed here? So I thought I, I cannot be irresponsible and have people in tears, you know, not every second, of course, but, you know, it's a significant number of people were getting very emotional. And I thought, well, I, I really need to know what I'm tapping into here. So then I thought, okay, I need to go and become a coach because I need to have a, a hybrid. I need to do the training, but I also need to be a coach. So then and that just shifted. I mean, it shifted everything. It shifted my life. It shifted my career. You know, to be a coach, as you know, you, you have to be coached. So I, I learned a lot about myself. And uh, then you, you know, you, then you know, you're more able to help other people. So it was just an absolute life changer for, for me and to be able to pass that on to clients in a, in a whole different way, a whole different level. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you for that. And thank you for taking it that much deeper when you decided to coach that actually getting some coach training along with that does help us do move from, I think, just training people to actually partnering with people. And that's a beautiful story that you shared. Thank you. And as we wrap up the interview today, I'm wondering if there's anything that I've left on the table that you would like to address about communication and effective communication. Well, I think to summarize, it's about becoming consciously aware. It's about having a clear message that resonates for your audience and that brings value to them, that you focus on developing your voice and speaking with a clear voice with gravitas and authority and kindness and love and generosity and also be very consciously aware of your body language and your facial expression, the way you use your hands, and the gift of you. So how do you want to show up? How do you want to be remembered? And how do you be genuine and authentic? So when you are in the room, people are going, wow. When you've left the room, people are going, wow. And people have a clear idea what it is you said, why you said it, and what they need to do next. As I mentioned earlier on, that's exactly why we developed the Art of Communication app so people can get the learning and people can practice, 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 record, share, get feedback from friends and peers 
And so there's no excuse. And the last one really is every time we open our mouths, we need to be consciously aware of all those things. And if we do that every time we open our mouth, in every communication opportunity, every time we speak is an opportunity to become more consciously aware. And as we become more consciously aware, practice makes perfect. So then when you get up for the big presentation or the big media interview or the video conference or the, the job interview or the crucial conversation, asking for a pay rise, etc., it's not such a big deal because you've been practicing every time that you speak in all situations. So formal, informal, by the water cooler, by the coffee machine, in the elevator, walking down the corridor, at home, on the phone, no matter where it is, just become more consciously aware. What a lovely way to tie it all together. I do want to let the listeners know that there is a download for this episode. Steve has supplied some information about the app. So if you're interested in learning more and seeing, is this something that can help you strengthen your communication and or work with your clients around their communication, download the app, go to starcoachshow.com. And in the show notes for today's episode, you will see the link for that. Steve, thank you for joining us on today's show. It has been an absolute pleasure to hear about your expertise and give us all food for thought about how to be more consciously aware of what comes out of our mouths. Thank you. It's an absolute passion for me. I I love what I do. I love the combination of coaching and teaching and just helping people be better communicators. I mean, it's a, it's a great job to have. It's a privilege. Well, it's a privilege to spend time with you today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Meg. So there we have another coach offering their expertise and their specialty to us to help all of us grow, to be stronger and more efficient in our work as coaches. So thank you to Steve Knight for joining the show today. If you're intrigued by his app and want more information, go to starcoachshow.com. In the show notes, there is a link for a download to learn more about the Art of Comms app. In addition to that, Steve does have an affiliate program so that when you have people purchase the app, there's actually a portion of that that comes to you as the provider of that, as the person who links your clients with the resource. And a client going through you to get the app saves them money because if they just got the app through the app store, it would be a different price than if they get it through their coach. So all that information is available in the download at starcoachshow.com under the link for episode 156. If you're enjoying the show and know of other people who would benefit from the content that we bring forward, please share the show and leave a rate and review wherever you listen. Be sure to come back next week as we continue to share strategies, tools, and resources for coaches. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.